welcome to the Anarcho-Biblicalist Podcast, the only podcast on the internet about the Bible that is good. you damn right it is. As always, I am joined by my co-host and best friend, could be said, uh, Juan. I am right now dealing with the philosophical implications of what you just said, in which I've never considered the, the relationship there, but sure, I'll take it. I just, I just wanna, I just wanna, you, you, you know how in like a in shows they'll have a little will they won't they, I, I, I want that to be us except it's about whether we're we're friends, <laughs> as though we just like fame being friends just for the sake of this podcast. Yeah, whether or not we actually enjoy being near each other, I, I think we need, I think we need a little extra layer, a little extra dimension. You know what? I, I, I dig this. I love giving this like existential crisis to the audience. Are we friends? Are the other podcasts you listen to are they friends, <laughs> or are we doing it for those sweet, sweet uh, clicks that we get? All of those, you know, tens of downloads that we have so far. We're just playing the we're just playing the cloud game here, just for fifty clicks. I, I may actually hate Jordan. You don't. You wouldn't even know. How would you <laughs> even know? Sometime, sometime after after an episode of the podcast is a little uh like sort of end credit scene we just need to like we 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 need to act like we thought that we stopped recording and then just like berate each other <laughs> i like that idea this is like turns out i'm actually not an anarchist i'm a libertarian <laughs> not a social libertarian but an economic libertarian like, god damn i'm like i can't believe like i have to deal with jordan and i have to deal with all my friends being leftist and I have to like lie to my whole family <laughs> and all my coworkers just for some internet clout for absolutely no gain. <laughs> I wish to be free someday where I can but say then, like, that I love fourteen-year-olds. And then I'm just a liberal. <laughs> I'm just like, guys, give Joe Biden a shot, okay? He, at least he's not gonna, you know, be like a radical like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> guys, like the elections are November eighth, but remember to uh. To vote in the middle, you don't want either extreme. Come on, guys. Do you, do, do guys, you guys I want like some like the far extreme left that kind of want to push some social progress and some green energy between that extreme and the right extreme, which hates Jews? I like Andrew Yang, but I don't know about all this UBI talk. People won't work anymore. I like Bernie, <laughs> but I don't really know about this healthcare. What incentive will there be for doctors to stay in the country? <laughs> <laughs> if I were a doctor, I know I definitely wouldn't be saving somebody's life who has life insurance. I mean, health insurance. Guys, guys, high healthcare prices pay for all of the the drug development that we do as a nation. I know we don't do many drug developments, but hey, the ones that we do do cost a lot. That's a fact. Do people in developing nations really deserve vaccines? Like, <laughs> as a libertarian, I say no, and as a liberal. I say no, but I don't. But it's more like, it's more like I haven't thought about it enough to do anything about it. It was more just like an instinct jerk. It's like, do we help other countries? No. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. That, that that's pure habit. What about the free market? All right, one. Well, what happened last week? Do you, do you remember? And by last week, I mean like, fucking four weeks ago, because we haven't recorded in uh, in, in podcast canon. It was last week. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it had my, so far my favorite scene of the Bible, which is, you know, Israel, quote unquote. 
beating the shit out of some fucking guy on top of a holy hill. Holy shit! He knocked him out and got a blessing. God zero, Jacob one. Now how will he keep this record <laughs> up? Will he start beating, destroying other cities? Will he start beating little woman? Bro, I'm just. How will Jacob outdo himself? <laughs> it turns out he and his son uh, beat a city and do a war crime on them after that. Damn, fucking spoilers. Uh, and then, then Isaac dies, falls down a well, I assume. And then... Yo, that would be poetic. <laughs> like, he's old and frail, and he's just like... He has his hand on his side and just walking around with a stick. Can't see anymore. Because he's 156 years old, and his eyes dried out, like, years ago. And he's just like, oh, man, I need to get back to camp. And then just trips down a well. Who left that well there? Oh no, I left that well there. But it's funny in my head because there's like a there's like an angel chorus and like a light shining down on the well. But like he's <laughs> blind and deaf, so he didn't see it. And he goes out the way he lived, in a well. In a well. All right, Juan. We've got a new protagonist this week. Are you ready? Are you excited? Uh. You've probably heard of him, and you've probably heard his story about a hundred times throughout pop culture and his name is joseph get strapped in because we have uh some sexual assault in this one content warning of course we do yeah yeah always happens unfortunately so uh to address the elephant in the room uh this is one of the best known parts of the bible it's probably in veggie tales and shit but it's it's not even usually that watered down but it, it is at least a little watered down. And that's where I think we're going to get a little interesting. So, so we're, so we're, so we're going to start with Jacob. He's got a bunch of sons of varying quality. Um, of his wives and sex slaves, he loves Rachel the best. And Rachel's kids. genetic quality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, a, very, a varying war criminal status. Of all of his wives slash uh, their slaves, he loves Rachel the best. Rachel's kids are Joseph and Benjamin. Let's see if Jacob plays favorites. Are you ready? Jacob settled down in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. These are the descendants of Jacob. Don't worry, that doesn't go anywhere. That sentence has been repeated like seven times throughout this book. <laughs> but you know, but you know, what my favorite part about this particular one is, uh, is that this is the direct next sentence. Joseph, being seventeen years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. You might note that uh, these aren't the descendants of Jacob. Wow, I really don't like this story. Joseph's already a fucking arc. Yeah, he's a bit of a fucking snitch. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him an ornamented robe. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers... They hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Yo, why does he love you? We massacred a whole town in Venice's for him. Bro, Joseph is... Jacob isn't even, like, taking into account how many people the other brothers have killed. Like, it's, it's like it's not even a factor. It's like it's even a downside. I don't get it. <laughs> I maliciously killed this 11-year-old, and Dad don't even appreciate it. Always even the point of it. Why does he like the one that has his hands free of war crimes? I don't, I don't get it. Fathers, am I right? Yeah, that's families for you. 
every family's a little crazy. And this one, <laughs> and this one is the most crazy of all. <laughs> just a quirky family like that, you know. Just one big happy. We're sane and we're murderous. <laughs> the Bible family. <laughs> you know, we're just we're just a little bit of a wacky family over here. We're just we're just a couple of weird little guys over here. We only massacred that town because we're a little neo-divergent. Okay. <laughs> Look, I have ADHD. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking bipolar so I get to be a little anti-semitic exactly <laughs> now on once Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers they hated him even more he said to them listen to this dream that I dreamed <laughs> <laughs> thanks bible thanks Joseph there we were binding sheaves in the field suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright then your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf his brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of his dreams and his words. <laughs> Damn, they hated him because he spoke the truth. <laughs> the fucking haters, dude. I, I feel like Joseph is just like a little snitch, just like a little cop. <laughs> just he's, he's just... No, he is a fucking cop because he's like, Hey, my authority is bigger than yours. Who fucking said? <laughs> oh, well, you carry a big gun around and a fucking bat and now you're the the boss of everybody <laughs> he just likes to be he just likes to be close to power and likes to have increased authority and feel like everyone is his inferior well already just two paragraphs in this already has the anarcho the stamp of what would it be called hierarchy this smacks of gender dude <laughs> as the drill tweet goes but now this this has the stamp of uh this has the stamp of uh ah fuck Who'd have thought that these patriarchs would be so hierarchical, you know? What 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 is the thing that you stamp down when you reject when you reject the letter? Oh whatever, this this, this guy's rejected from the anarcho uh canon. It's got a it's got a big, yeah, red, big red X. X. It's got a big red got a big red stamp. It says denied. You're not going to our Stotska today. Not anarchist friendly. <laughs> Bro, I when when we start the anarcho biblicalist book club. I'm skipping these chapters. <laughs> I'm skipping all these chapters with authoritarianism in it in the Bible. Bro, I'm gonna go to my local library and get Genesis like thirty-four to thirty-six banned. Oh wow, you really are all bro. <laughs> he had another dream and told it to his brothers, saying, Look, I have had another dream. <laughs> he just he just he just did this to rub it in their face. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, he is just so passive aggressive. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like it's like they already told him he didn't like the first dream, so he's like, he just came in like all passive aggressively. He's like, look, but wait, there's more. The sun, moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me, but when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, "What kind of dream is this that you have had?" Shall we indeed come, I and your mother and your brothers, and bow to the ground before you? So his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, yeah, do they just like, okay, so you had this dream, so that means that now we're supposed to do this? But like, why is that the first thought? Like, why isn't the first thought? It's like, dude, it's a dream, calm down. I, I will guess because like God has talked to them in their dreams, but like his brothers don't know that. But the way they asked him is like, are we indeed to do this? You can just reject the whole notion entirely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like they just take it at face value and hate 
and hate that that's the outcome instead of questioning the dream. Yeah, you have to remember that these these kids, number one, aren't that bright. <laughs> and number two, uh, respond to everything they hate with violence. And that's where this is going to go. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. He answered, Here I am. <laughs> that shit just runs in the family, I guess. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron. He came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where are they pasturing the flock? The man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near them, they conspired to kill him. Yeah. Wow. Love yeah. the fucking brotherly love here. Yeah. For some bad dreams? Yeah. As it turns out, uh, they're just they're just kind of violent people. Well, I guess. You live, a, you live a tough life. You have to hurt fucking sheep. Go here, go there. There may not be enough to... It's hot. And your biggest worry that causes you to a bloodlust is... My brother had an annoying dream. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think they, they just have a taste for human blood at this point. Well, I can't take it out on my father. Because he's God's chosen. Can't take it out on my mother. Because he's married to my father, who's God's chosen. Can't take it out on yes. anybody else. There's nobody here for miles. <laughs> I guess I'll just take it on the annoying kid. And that they did. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into the... <laughs> Wait, I'm a dreamer. You know I'm a dreamer. Well, I, well, I mean, I mean like, DACA act. But yeah, sure, I do Oh, that shit. Too. I do that too. Uh, yeah, thanks. Me too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will come of his dreams. Yo, sons, where's, where's Joseph at? He fell into the Rancor pit. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, they're about to feed him to the fucking Sarlacc. <laughs> <laughs> and then he emerges three days later as a, as a more sympathetic bounty hunter. <laughs> is, is that a new Star Wars thing I'm not getting, though? Uh, yeah, because in almost every iteration of the Star Wars universe, Boba Fett survives being thrown into the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, because he's too cool. And then, like, every time he comes out, he's not a bad guy. <laughs> in the in the in Legends, he just, like, went to go hunt down, like, uh, Jabba's criminal empire in the new canon. I think he just goes help Baby Yoda. <laughs> so, Very yeah. cool. I guess when the, um... When that one British Prime Minister that was appeasing Hitler, I, instead of, like, debating him, he just should have thrown him to the Sarlacc pit. And he would have come out better. Like, That's... You know no. what? I'll debate my points with the Jews instead of genociding them. <laughs> I have learned the error of my ways. Bro, imagine if Hitler, like, had a fucking redemption plot after Neville Chamberlain <laughs> threw him into the Sarlacc pit. And then he starts hunting down the Nazi apparatus. I will de-invest in, uh... BMW, and now invest in trains. 
I will actually start making public utilities. I will make smaller tanks. Let's turn this national socialism into just socialism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will actually go to jail for my attempt to coup. <laughs> you know what, guys? I'm just going to turn myself in. <laughs> Out of the error of my ways. Getting digested for three days really, really changes you. And I, I feel like I have a lot more perspective now. I feel like I was a little conspiratorial before. A little bit, uh, a, a little, let's be honest, unrealistic, unreasonable, unrealistic, and, and frankly hateful. Like, that was just, I was just angry. The, the stomach acid of the Sarlacc really made me realize I was straying too far from enlightened values. <laughs> I'm actually just gonna talk things out with the Jews now. Thank you. Wait, if they want to kill him, cause... And the Romani, I guess. And, like, the Soviets. And gay people. And people that had disabilities. And just anybody I don't like. I'm just gonna talk it out with them. Wait, if they want to kill him because he's a dreamer, is that a hate crime? I feel like this whole book's a hate crime. <laughs> You're right. It's making me hate crime. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. You know, I, I want... <laughs> this, is what, this is what conservative things happen. Because before we were like crime-loving anarchists, and we just want to watch the world burn. But now that we read the Bible, we realized... Oh wait, no! Crime is actually a bad thing! <laughs> I shouldn't like it! <laughs> like, it has, like, the same effect, but for very different reasons, because we just see all this horrible shit, and we just, like, sit down and reevaluate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they think we hate crime because we, like, we, like, internalize what the Bible said, but it's like, no, we completely disagree with this book, and which is why we hate crime. <laughs> That's why we hate crime. Alright, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that the wild animals have devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of it, but when Reuben heard of it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here, in the wilderness. But lay no hand on him, that he might. How else are you gonna throw him in the pit? <laughs> Look, don't like, don't like, don't like hit him. Just pick him up, give him a little toss into the pit. It'll be okay. Fucking, just as a fucking cop, and Ruben's a fucking liberal. <laughs> He's like, guys, like, guys. Yeah, okay, fine. We're gonna do everything to like undermine his position and put him in like a terrible state of being. But like, don't hurt him. <laughs> Guys, guys, we need to we need to do this the right way. We need to do this through the system. Just throw him in the pit. <laughs> Just throw him in the pit. But but it, it looks like he has an ulterior motive. The next bit says that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornamented robe that he wore, and they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Damn, they, so, they so really it stole his cat made outfit. That's... That's monstrous. <laughs> so this isn't this isn't a pit Isaac made. It doesn't have water <laughs> yeah. in it. This is this is no blessed land. <laughs> this place has been forsaken. By, by the God. way, by the way, you can read the ornamented robe as like the 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 Technicolor dream coat or whatever. I think I think I think some translations say like many colored coat or something. Huh. Just for all of you, you know, musical fans out there, you all you Android Andrew Lloyd Webber. All you Andrew Lloyd Reb, all you Andrew Lloyd Webber fans. So yeah, we've established that Ruben's getting that big, that big Joseph money. So he so he wants to do things the right way through the 
through the political process, but really he's just going to subvert it. Well, what's Ruben expected to happen if he takes Joseph out? It's like, oh, thank you. And maybe like half the cat made outfit. Why, why just why let why let him <laughs> why let him be thrown in there at all? I think when you get more reward by not letting that happen. Yeah, he could just say, "Hey guys, don't do that. Don't don't kill him." I don't know. Maybe maybe he's afraid these war criminals are gonna kill him. But I don't know. For some reason, he doesn't feel comfortable out and out saying, "Hey guys, maybe we shouldn't kill our little brother." Yo, it was just some bad dreams. Don't you think you're overreacting? No, you're overreacting. Then they shove up. I don't know what did they have back then, like the fucking the the, the shepherding cane into him or whatever. They hang him with a slingshot. <laughs> they 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 basically got like I, I I like to imagine they 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 sharpen the bottom of the shepherding crook like it's a like it's a candy cane that <laughs> <laughs> you lick the bottom of. <laughs> okay, this is my ignorance of the time. I don't know what the fuck they had, but like. <laughs> what were they gonna do with you? They probably got pokey sticks of some kind. I don't know if swords are generally very common. Swords weren't that common in the Middle Ages. I thought they were common here. And the yeah. Romans are nowhere near for them to be having gladiuses around. Also, iron. Or copper. <laughs> do they have copper? They probably have bronze. I, I'm picture- I'm, I, I think this is probably around, like, you know, late Bronze Age, Bronze Age collapse kind of time period well they're not nowhere near egypt to have their really fancy spears and scythes and sickles yeah i don't know i I guess they're just gonna smack you with the slingshot till you die (laughs) probably gonna use like a fucking rock (laughs) i'm gonna throw this big rock at you stand still (laughs) (laughs) oh he's gonna he's gonna be so he's gonna be so squished by this big rock (laughs) yeah and then ruben just moves to the side Maybe they had a really big rock. Maybe he was intimidated. <laughs> like, Ruben just stood in one single place for a while while they, like, Sisyphus, Sisyphus like, pulled a rock <laughs> up a hill and just let it fall on him. <laughs> oh, they could have just sent the sheep after him. <laughs> oh, shit. Have they mobilized their sheep? We don't, we don't know how dangerous ancient sheep were. True. You know how, like, you know how, like, back then sloths were, like, two stories high had like claws like three meters long and that i know there were like big old fucking slaws in like south america yeah that's what i'm talking during, about like the ice age or like soon after what if it was just like some what if it was just like some rabid sheep <laughs> bro the, they got sheep megafauna out here <laughs> all right woolly sheep all right so they so they so they yeah woolly sheep i think that's all sheep though <laughs> fuck <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so they threw uh, Joseph down a pit. Uh, now it's time for a picnic. <laughs> then they sat down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin, on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come. Let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and not laying our hands on him. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and not lay our hands on him. For he is our brother, our own flesh. (laughs) It's like, these are just like his, their second cousins or some shit. These are Ishmael's, like, descendants. Yo, it would be wrong if we, like, hurt him in any way. So let's just sell him to slavery. Yeah. 
That's different. <laughs> and his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifting him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. I want to know how fucking Israel reacts to this. He's like, where the hell is Joseph? Oh, they took him to Egypt. What? Who? What? Why? Where? When? Oh, we sold them. But guess what? We got 20 pieces of silver. And then Israel just knocks him out of their hand. We are worth like a million silver pieces. <laughs> we have yeah, like a it's... whole dynasty of wealth behind us. And you sold him for 20? Yeah, it sure isn't a profitable venture. But don't worry, they, they have a plan for this. But first, Reuben gets back. When Reuben, <laughs> when Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes. He returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and I, where can I turn? Then they took Joseph's robes, slaughtered a goat, and dripped the robe in the blood. They had the ornamented robe taken to their father, and they said, This we have found. See now whether it is your son's robe or not. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. A wild animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. <laughs> then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son for many days. All his sons and all his daughters sought to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, saying, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son, mourning. Thus his father bewailed him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him to Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So yeah, I, I think the Bible gets a little bit confused as to whether it's the it's Ishmaelites or Midianites who are selling him, but... Yeah, because yeah. the Midianites are fucking nowhere, I guess, because it was, it was his brothers and then the, the Ishmaelites, but then the Midianites came out of nowhere and took him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites. But then the Midianites are the ones who sell him in Egypt. Huh. Yeah. I think that's just like a goof. Uh, maybe. I don't know. They're all cousins anyways. But then actually, no, that's <laughs> kind of clever. Just putting his ropes in blood. It's yeah. like, here, we found these completely intact ropes, but no body. He's like, oh, yeah, he's dead. He must be dead. Nothing else that could have happened here. No, my son's made out of it. He's going to make a lot of money <laughs> on OnlyFans with it. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make so much fucking money at least 20 pieces of gold or of silver per subscription no no i i love a good ancient morning when you just like lament for six months and just do nothing else wear fucking sackcloth yeah you can Beautiful. like you can fucking murder a whole city and not blink an eye but like one of your one of your close one of your many sons dies and you're like mourning for six months in the middle of the desert on a whole soul searching journey. Unless it unless it's a female. Then you just barter down for some land. Oh yeah. Then you then then you bow and you talk to the Hittites and be like, hmm I don't know. Should 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 I have this plot of land? I, I really want this one, but I, I wanna be buried there too. He's just like crying off in the corner. So I was like, "Dude, are you okay?" He's like, "No, my wife man, it hurts so much. She's gone. Oh, man, it would really be at the pain if you gave me twenty percent discount." <laughs> and they're like, "Done." Uh, so just now like, he's just like the tricks they used to pull together in life. 
where he would pretend that she was his sister, even though she is his sister, but he'd pretend they weren't married. If you pretend that that's his sister, they won't actually suspect her of being your sister. It's <laughs> the perfect cover. <laughs> By the way, for those of you who don't know, Sheol is a kind of a big complex concept, but it's basically the afterlife in Israelite slash Judite religion at this time. Uh, I'll, I'll leave I'll leave a wiki link in the description. All right, so now we're 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 gonna see where Joseph goes in this next bit. Wait. Oh wait, no, we're 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 not doing that. We're reading about more weird sex stuff. Huh. Okay. It happened at that time that Judah went down from his brothers and settled near a certain Adulamite, who was named Hira. There Judah saw the daughter of a certain Canaanite, whose name was Shua. He married her and went into her. She conceived and bore a son, and he named him Ur. Again she conceived and bore a son, whom she named Onan. Yet again she bore a son, and she named him Shelah. She was in Chezib when she bore him. Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn. Her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord put him to death. Whoa, 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 hold here, what the fuck? <laughs> the fuck? Just some poor kid? Well, old enough to have a wife anyways. Oh. Which doesn't mean anything at this time period, unfortunately, but... So yeah, just a fucking kid. <laughs> but yeah, no. God didn't like the fucking look of him. Thought it was wicked. Killed him. For some unnamed reason. Got literally went like, I don't like the cut of this guy's gist. Bam! Dead. Oh wait, I made him. Oh. Why did I make him uh, like that? Oh, is he one of Jacob's kids? Ah, shit. That, that's my bad. One of Jacob's kin. Not supposed to kill those ones. Oh, well, whatever. What's one last particle of sand in the universe <laughs> that I promised him? That's got to be at least like a... I, math is hard. <laughs> a, a decent amount less, probably, at that point. There's probably a lot of kids that dude would have had. But get ready, Juan, because uh, there's going to be a little more, a little less sand here. Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and perform the duty of a brother-in-law to her. Raise up offspring for your brother. But since Onan knew that the offspring would not be his, he spilled his semen on the ground whenever he went into his brother's wife, so that he would not give offspring to his brother. What he did was displeasing in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death also. Then Judah said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, Remain a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up, for he feared that he would die too, like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. What do you think of all that one? Uh, I mean, if Onan came to my house and spilled calm on the floor, I'd kill him too. <laughs> His pullout game was so strong that God killed him for it. I think is the important thing to take away from this. But I love the I love Onan here playing the role of a of a Hunter Biden, just sleeping <laughs> with your brother's wife. No, you you don't get it. He he. Damn, Hunter Biden is very is very godly. Damn. But but all of it, those kids are his brother's kids, by some weird logic. Wait, no, because if you're not in her, that's your kid. It wouldn't be your brother's kid. I think either some legal technicality is happening here, or a cultural thing. I would suppose so, because like I'm pre I'm a hundred percent sure I'm right about that. But this book is like. 
confusing the neurons in my brain is like is that not the fucking case yeah it just takes some shit for granted that we that we just do not <laughs> judo wants the guy's brother to have babies with the original dude's wife so that 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 guy can have a, a household quote unquote that outlives him because his wife's having kids so so he so he so he has kids i think is what's going on here yeah that makes sense yeah because we're part of his household not probably not part of onins now we get back to joseph just kidding there's a lot more of this there's a weird this is a really weird like <laughs> game of thrones like tangent where like the most horrible horrific shit you've ever seen just happened but then it cuts away to like a sex scene right after but then also this sex scene is pretty fucked up too yeah I mean, the dude liked his history, George. The dude likes his history, George R. R. Martin. He's probably reading this shit and fucking taking notes. Huh, all right. Terrible travesty followed by a sex scene. And also terrible travesty and the sex scene. All right. Anyways, what am I writing about again? <laughs> I don't know. I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just copy it down from the War of the Roses. <laughs> In course of time, the wife of Judah, Shua's daughter, died. When Judah's time of mourning was over... He went up to Timnah to his sheep shearers, he and his friend Hira, the Adulamite. When Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep, she put off her widow's garments, put on a veil, wrapped herself up, and sat down at the entrance to Enaim, which is on the road to Timnah. She saw that Shelah was grown up, yet she had not been given to him in marriage. When Judah saw her, he thought her to be a prostitute, for she had covered her face. I, th- I thought that usually meant the complete opposite, but... <laughs> yeah, ancient times are weird. You know, different times, different times. He went over to her at the roadside and said, Come, let me come into you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, What will you give me that you may come into me? He answered, I will send you a kid from the flock. And she said, Only if you give me a pledge until you send it. He said, What pledge shall I give you? She replied, your signet and your cord and the staff that is in your hand. So he gave them to her and went into her, and she conceived by him. Then she got up and went away, and taking off her veil, she put on the garments of her widowhood. When Judah sent the kid by his friend the Adulamite to recover the pledge of the woman, he could not find her. He asked the townspeople, Where is the prostitute who was at a Naim, by the way, side? <laughs> who else would know that? <laughs> Have you guys seen? Have you guys seen like the the woman my brother slept with? Uh, no. Get out of here. <laughs> and like you're exactly right. But they said no prostitute has been here. So he returned to Judah and said, "I had not found her. Moreover, the townspeople said no prostitute has been here." Judah said, "Let her keep the things as her own. Otherwise, we will be laughed at." You see, I sent this kid, and you could not find her. How embarrassing! You know that feeling when you sleep with a prostitute and you sent a, a little lamb over, but they, but you couldn't find him. That's so embarrassing. Everyone's going to laugh at you. Yeah, I remember one time, like, in high school, I tried to send my lamb to this girl, and, like, she didn't get it. And then they threw me in the pit. <laughs> it wasn't fun. <laughs> Did you get s- sold to Egypt by Ishmaelites or Midianites or something? I got sold to Indiana by fucking Hoosiers. <laughs> the Hoosierites. I'll, Hoosierites. I, I don't know why you even call people from Illinois like bad driverites. 
Illinois Fucking color, color blindites. Which makes sense, because they're ill-annoying me when I'm driving. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Shut the fuck up, you live in... Or somewhere. I mean, I drive up there. I drive up to your neck of the woods. Also, don't dox me. <laughs> You're like on the other side of the state. Yeah. Illinois driver. The only Illinois you see is like on the news for stealing a coupe or something. I'm a Kia. I went to see a Kia. I think I watched the news. Ridiculous. <laughs> so, anyway, what's the point of this story? I don't know. We'll see. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> About three months later, Judah was told, Your daughter-in-law, Tamar, has prostituted herself. Moreover, she is pregnant as a result of the prostitution. And Judah said, Bring her out, let her be burned. Oh, that's pretty casual. As she was being brought out, she sent word to her father-in-law. It was the owner of these who made me pregnant. And she said, Take note, please, whose these are, the signet and the cord and the staff. Then Judah acknowledged them and said, She is more in the right than I, since I did not give to her my son, Shela. And he did not lie with her again. What? <laughs> okay, so he found out. Then, you know, the twist was revealed. And the whole point of all of that was so he didn't sleep with her again? It's the classic morality tale, Juan. This, this is really archetypical and, and very important in uh, Western culture. If I can put my Jordan Peterson hat on for a second. <laughs> you see, she was denied a brother to have sex with. So she had sex with him, pretending not to be her. And so when she was going to be burned, she was actually in the right because she didn't get a brother to have sex with. Oh, I see. So that that child could be the child of the first brother. I hope you see now. I hope you understand. And he and he. Well, I guess all I guess all those people at Bang Bros are very godly people. <laughs> Think about it this way. <laughs> he he brought a kid out, a a, a a a goat that is, and there was no one there. How embarrassing! That's the most emba embarrassing thing I've ever heard of, honestly. My face when I sent a goat out and nobody there. <laughs> <laughs> gonna make that the thumbnail for this episode <laughs> so lesson of the story uh sisters out there y'all deserve our brothers to have sex with the bible says so Pornhub says so if your husband dies you have to have you have to get married to his younger brother that's 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 what we need we need to add a fucking incest content warning too <laughs> I, I feel like I already know who the fuck wrote this. Like, you know, some little brother, his bigger brother, because he was bigger, older, get got the pretty girl. He's like, no fair. I want that pretty girl. So he wrote this as, like, some fantasy. <laughs> they really, uh... Like, yeah, this is how I'm gonna get my pretty girl. They really demonstrated the, the Mac system in this one. The move-in after completion from It's Always Sunny. <laughs> You gotta have to explain that. There's an episode where uh, Dennis has 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 this system for having sex with women called the Dennis system, which basically just consists of like emotionally abusing women, and like Mac plays a very small role in it. But then like they follow one woman through the system, and like it turns out like Mac 
had sex with her too and he's like dude i'm doing the max system move in after completion (laughs) (laughs) is there a system like you know like a properly mapped out system that does not involve emotionally abusing women probably not i mean if you're the type of person to make a system you have to plan this out you're (laughs) fucked i'm sorry (laughs) yeah if you have to make like a detailed plan you're not you're not you're, you're losing focus of what is important and you're probably doing something bad nation really sis had 12 points 12 point step to destroy america and cells have 12 point step to maybe getting laid but definitely traumatizing a woman yeah this is my 12 point system that you have to do a hundred times for it to work once and it traumatizes everyone involved that you try it on uh. I mean, I mean, I mean right, we, we, we jest. Wait, we wait. jest. But if that person does do that, they are more godly than we are. Think about it. Yeah, they are more. They're, they're, they, they have more in common with the Bible than we do. I, I was going to say all the insults can put, like, you know, fucking religious under shit. But, like, they, they kind of already are. <laughs> all right. Uh, I, I, I misspoke earlier. I said back to Joseph. Uh, we, we've still got a little epilogue here. When the time of her delivery came. There were twins in her womb. While she was in labor, one put out a hand, and the midwife took and bound on this hand a crimson thread, saying, This one came out first. But just then, he drew back his hand, and out came his brother. And she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. Therefore, he was named Perez. Afterward, his brother came out with the crimson thread on his hand, and he was named Zerah. (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> I imagine that the hand came out right and then so they they they, they, they put the yeah. thread on him but he like put out the hand motion saying like nah nah wait and then out he popped out his brother <laughs> he's like he pushed the hand out they tied a cord and he was like no <laughs> he just retracted it and then his brother came out <laughs> And then they made pun names here. I'm not even going to take the time to explain them. <laughs> Wait, I'm reading re- the footnotes. <laughs> Perez means a breach. Okay, fine. Whatever. I'm used to this shit by now. But uh, fucking Zera is brightness, perhaps alluding to the crimson thread. Which <laughs> is so. just bizarre to me because like, there's a word that's like, the connotation is like bright, like a crimson thread. Specifically, in the hands of, of, of a birthing baby. <laughs> That's such a specific word to exist. <laughs> cool. uh, thank you, Bible. Uh, cool and good. Thank you, Bible. All right, back to Joseph, actually. I swear. Now, Joseph was taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an official of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian. Oh, wow, wow, really? <laughs> wow. He's got a lot of things that describe him, and the Bible wanted to put them all in one sentence without any breaks and just and just using commas. <laughs> the guy from Egypt. Okay. The, the guy from Egypt is an Egyptian. Wow. <laughs> so Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He was in the house of his Egyptian master. Is there such a thing as the successful slave? I think so, overall. I mean, like, not all slavery was American chattel slavery. Like, especially, like, in, like, China and stuff, there were a lot of really powerful slaves. Huh. 
Well, yeah. that there you go. Shows my ignorance again. I did that. Yeah. No, yeah. Side note, just like a lot of people say like, oh, a lot of cultures around the universe had slavery. No, we had the worst slavery. <laughs> Fucking America and like the Caribbean were like just the worst form of slavery that has existed. And also when they say that, it's also like whatever like Egypt did with slavery does not affect what happens in the United States here at all. <laughs> Yeah, the one that the chattel slavery has a lot of influence still here. Whatever the fuck happened in Japan, what does it matter to me? Yeah. So, uh, you know, and moreover, at the same time, while there were you know slaves who were like administrators and stuff in like Rome, for example, there were also slaves being worked to death in mines for a short and like brutal lifespan. But yeah, there was there slaves yeah, so were in many different like positions. Yeah, that's a slavery I'm more familiar with, just the ones that kind of worked them to death. Yeah. he Joseph, in this case, is not in one of those situations. He's in, like, the ideal situation to be in if you're a slave. Well, good for him. Yeah. He may be a filthy narc and a cop, but at least he's not suffering. And <laughs> I, I feel happy for no, him. No, yeah. So so there's two archetypes we can, we can assign to Joseph here. One of them is a uh, cop and narc. Uh, but the other one is the fucking best middle manager you've ever seen, and we're about to get a, into it a little bit more. We're we're go, we're we're gonna see that running thread. Just keep it in mind. Oh, my favorite thing about the Bible: logistics. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord was with the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord had caused all that he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. He made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him his overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had, in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and with him there, he had no concern for anything but the food that he ate. I don't know why, but I'm like, my gamer senses go off every time I hear Overseer. Anytime there's an assassination target, it's always an Overseer of some kind. Because, like, that sounds evil. Yeah, I mean, especially getting back to, like, American chattel slavery. He's like the Overseer. Like, yeah, no, an Overseer is never, like, never has good connotations in, like, modern American English. No, not at all. But I just imagine that Overseer of the house is just a manager, I guess. Yeah, I guess he's just, like, cop in a different form. Alright, Juan. Joseph's been through a lot here, but he's about to face his toughest challenge yet. Woman. Workplace sexual harassment. Oh. That was that wasn't too far off. <laughs> now Joseph was handsome and good looking. And after a time his master's wife cast her eye on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, with me here my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my hand. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not consent to lie beside her or to be with her. One day, however, he went into the house to do his work, and while no one was in the house, she caught hold of his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. When she saw that... 
When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside, she called out to the members of her household and said to them, See, my husband has brought among us a Hebrew to insult us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And when he heard me raise my voice and cry out, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Then she kept his garment by her until his master came home. And she said to him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant, whom you have brought among us, has come in to insult me. But as soon as I raised my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Wow, this story was definitely written by a guy. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> if this story was, like, actually real, and I heard it, I'd probably think Joseph did it. <laughs> I'd probably be reading between the lines, although... Although, maybe that's problematic, I don't know. <laughs> but I love how, like, she couldn't, the... she couldn't get his way, so now she's racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like the equivalent of when, like, a guy DMs, like, a black woman, and then gets rejected, and then immediately calls her the N-word. <laughs> she's just, like, an incel. <laughs> she's just, like, a racist incel. I, I think what I have more so in mind, too... This happens a lot to like a lot of black leftists, where they where they uh, you know shit on the Democratic Party, and then you know the, the, the white Democrats shit on them because they say something along the lines of like the Democrats have done a lot for black people. How dare you turn against mm-hmm. us? Yeah, it was something like that. <laughs> You're kind of racist, you know. Like not that I hate your kind racist, but more like you should be more appreciative of white people type racist. Yeah, they 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 go full white savior. Yeah, there you go, white savior mode. But yeah, no, this is this is the equivalent of get of getting like hit on in your DMs and then like turning them down and then like getting called a slur. Yep. But this is like what all conservative men things happen. Like when every time somebody <laughs> somebody like gets me too'd, they're like, no, yeah, actually, they're... she wanted to sleep with him, but he didn't want to, with like no proof whatsoever. Yeah, just like no fucking evidence and like his. Un- ancient equivalent of underwear is literally like in her hand just ran out like like looney tune style just ran out with a clothes <laughs> on like just he just he just grabbed like his shirt he ran out in a puff of smoke like fucking zoidberg like it's <laughs> 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 like running outside with like scooby-doo running noises they realize oh shit where's my clothes very believable story 100 percent, i believe it's like Mm-hmm. It's like, like a wolf like gnawing his own arm off because she she's got him by it. <laughs> <laughs> this this book is very cartoonish. I've noticed. <laughs> so silly. It's just like there's so much blank space to work with, and that's and that's done so much for how people read it. You know, maybe maybe that's just how maybe that's just has more about us. Like I'm reading this and I'm like thinking Looney Tunes in my head because. That's why it's in my head, Looney Tunes. But, like, it's also, like, there's so... There's so little connective tissue, and, like, the connective tissue that's there just makes it sort of cartoonish. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's true. It's so, it's so vaguely written that it's, you can... Ins- it's just so, like... It's just so... Like, it doesn't make sense, but it, like, s- treats it like it does, and so you can't help but, like, picture it in, like, a cartoony way, I feel like. Yeah. Especially with me, I, I guess just because of how, like, the literature I'm exposed to, like, I'm reading it very literally. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is this is very silly shit. <laughs> this is very silly shit. Alright, back to, back to the master. Back to the 
Egyptian captain of the guard, uh, officer of Pharaoh, Potiphar. <laughs> when his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, saying, This is the way your servant treated me, he became enraged. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. <laughs> cool, thanks, Bible. He remained there in prison. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. This particular author just constantly wants to clarify things. Did you know that if somebody's in prison, they're in prison? Prison is the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he remained there in prison. Uh, cool. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. Is that really he what he needs right now after what the <laughs> wife did to him? What he needs is the love of the Lord. Yeah, more of the story. If you, you, you don't don't accept advances from women, well, actually, you shouldn't accept the ones advances from married women, but you should definitely accept advances from God. There you go. There you go. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. Here's the thing, though, and I feel like we've skipped over this as we started this. No, wait, but then, but then, like, if he actually did accept the advance of the married woman, he would have been fine. So. My morality's not wrong. This book's morality's wrong. This is just a disaster. But... This, book's trying, this book is trying to tell you, do sleep with married woman. I'm telling you, don't. <laughs> you know what? It's kind of funny that this commanding officer kind of treated him better than his brothers did. Because <laughs> <laughs> at least he put him in prison for, like, a legit actual reason. The other dude just ha he had a dream they didn't like, and they put him in a, the fucking Sarlacc pit and then sold him into slavery. <laughs> a fucking commanding officer of the Egyptians would have, like, a better moral compass and be more intelligent than a couple of shepherds, I guess. So, who knew? <laughs> Who'd have thought that an Egyptian, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of his guard, Potiphar, <laughs> <laughs> would have been more empathetic. The, would have been more empathetic than um, Joseph's brothers, Israel's sons, <laughs> Isaac's son. Judah, the one who uh, had sex with his daughter-in-law and then learned a valuable moral lesson. All right, let's, let's read a little bit more about the Lord's uh, steadfast love. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him his steadfast love. He gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's care all the prisoners who were in the prison, and whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The chief jailer paid no heed to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. He's got literally god-tier levels of middle management skills. He's just, he's just the best middle manager that's ever graced the position. He fucking killed it with Potiphar the Egyptian, the head of <laughs> the guard of the pharaoh, the officer of pharaoh, the chief of his guard, and now he's killing it in jail. He's, he's, the, he's the middle manager of the jail. He's the chief corrections officer. So this guy just got thrown in, and you're like, the chief jailer's like, you, who just got thrown in here, you're in charge. You, you seem trustworthy. And also, it said it, it said two times that, you know, the officers saw the Lord's favor with him, and now the chief jailer's like, wait, I thought the Egyptians didn't believe in a monotheistic god. I don't know, I, I think that just like... What, just had good vibes? I, they probably don't believe in, like, men... They probably believe in many gods, but, like, they, they, they see some shit happening, and they're like... Oh, some god's got to be on this dude's side. And you know, it, it's it's sort of hazy in this point. In real life, well after this, a lot of Canaanites probably would have seen it the same way. It's like, this is our god who's the coolest god. But there are other gods. Y'all better not fuck with this guy, Joseph. Or else Horus might cut me in many 
parts and calm in my remains. I think that's how that story goes. This is gonna do me in Osiris, man. <laughs> Alright, let's but read... Anyways, yeah, Joseph the prisoner running the prison. Yeah, let's read more about uh, the Lord's steadfast love. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he waited on them, and they continued for some time in custody. One night they both had a dream. The cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, <laughs> each his own dream, each his own dream, and each his own meeting, each his own dream, and each dream with its own meaning. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled, so he asked Pharaoh's officers, who are with him in custody in the master's house, "Why are your faces downcast today?" They said to him, "We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them." And Joseph said to them. Do not interpretations belong to God? Please, tell them to me. This is a fucking roller coaster of a fucking paragraph. <laughs> I know. What the hell? Is a cupbearer and a baker what I'm thinking they are? Yeah. And what could they possibly have done to offend the pharaoh? Pissed him off. Was it a really bad bolillo? <laughs> like, just made a really fucking terrible piece of bread and the, so bad the pharaoh was like... Throw him in jail. I think Pharaoh probably got a new Pharaoh hat. And he was like, how does it look? And they were like, good. <laughs> and, then he, and, and then he got his feelings hurt and he got mad at them. That's what I think happened. Damn, that, that cup bear must have dropped some really expensive wine, I guess. I just don't understand what how could, they could have offended him so badly. I mean, my favorite part of the paragraph is just that this section of the Bible is so obsessed with like clarifying people's roles and positions and locations damn jordan who is very obsessed with the author clarifying roles and position Th don't you agree with me that this author is very obsessed with clarifying roles and position in this book the bible yes juan my co-host sitting in location redacted right now speaking to me about the bible and the scriptures that must have been one anxious writer who's like, wait, what if they don't know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh shit, what if, what if this is confusing? I should I should add more. Yo, Jebediah, I'm pretty sure they know what you're talking about. No, you don't understand. We're dealing with a bunch of illiterate ingrates. I, what if they don't understand? I like to think the person who was codifying the shit and writing it down was just like reading his work to uh, to just like his stupidest friend. It was like, hey, wait, who, who are these guys again? What were they doing? What the... The baker? Oh, you should say that he's that they're the baker and the cupbearer here. Oh, where? Oh, they're yeah. You should say that they're in prison. I mean, I didn't get the first time, so yeah. Must have, that, you you did you didn't do a good job there. <laughs> so you gotta clarify. Yeah. Another thing I like about this paragraph is that it once again affirms that our theology is the truest. In that uh, Joseph says that ter interpretations belong to God. Now, granted, we don't follow that doctrine very much, but but we have started the podcast by saying no interpretation. We set out a mission for ourselves, and we sabotaged it so bad. We sabotaged it immediately. Just like everything in my life. Damn. You okay? <laughs> no, I'm on a podcast. Ah, oh, damn. True. <laughs> Guess we're not okay. Me neither. All right, let's see what these dreams are all about, man. Like, what's with these dreams? What's going on here? 
So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms came out, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and placed the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. Within three days Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But remember me when it is well with you. Please do me the kindness to make mention of me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this place. For in fact I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should have put me into this dungeon. Alright, so the other archetype that Joseph is, is the friend that, no matter how dire your situation is, will insert himself into every problem. <laughs> I think he's just like asking for a shout out when he makes it big. He's like, remember to fucking feature me, man. Remember where you came from. Remember these little guys down here in the dungeon. Man, I was your day zero before anybody else. <laughs> remember me, the only one in this dungeon who understands literary symbolism. <laughs> And that he does. <laughs> that he does. Yeah, I don't know if he needed a fucking interpreter for that one. I don't know how you just take his authority on it. Yeah, I know how to interpret dreams. Oh, cool. <laughs> don't Nobody questions anything about dreams in this fucking world at all. <laughs> like, if it happens, it automatically means anything. Want dreams are real. Oh god, I hope not. <laughs> if dreams are real, then we're all fucked, because 40k happens in my dreams. Oh, no. oh that's a disaster. Bro, I, I don't want your dreams to be real. <laughs> you have you have some fucked up dreams. We were roommates and he would just describe like sleep paralysis with like horrible like lore videos that he was listening to in real life playing. I've seen the paralysis demons. They're real. Hang over it. <laughs> see them everywhere they're real bro that gave me that gave me alex jones vibes i've seen the paralysis demons folks they're real i've seen it in the white papers <laughs> it's not funny <laughs> those paralysis demons look down at me and they think wow this guy's in a cute maid outfit but i can't do anything about it it's not a cute maid outfit i bought it for 5.59 at macy's it's not that cute <laughs> anyways all of us don't want to hear how cute i am <laughs> The globalists don't want you to hear it, but I'm here to tell it, folks. I'm here, I'm a truth teller. Globalists don't want you to know you're getting out of this dungeon in three days, buddy. Don't even worry about it. All right, let's hear. Let, let's hear. And let me tell you, I was the only one that told you the truth. So when you get out of this mind dungeon, that's actual real dungeon, and go back to the ancient pharaohs that worship Baal, I want them to tell you that Alex Jones sent you. <laughs> I don't even do it for that, folks. That's not the reason I do it. But I need you to get me out of this dungeon. <laughs> Buy my nutra suit. Give me a shout out. That's that's a, that's Fox, a, if you just buy my pharmaceuticals for fifty nine ninety nine and my brain pills for seventy ninety nine, maybe I can make my way back home. <laughs> Bro, that's that escape out of this chase and slavery. That'd be a good interdimensional cable episode. Is just Alex Jones from a dungeon, in from like an Egyptian dungeon, <laughs> being about to be sacrificed. In his mind, he's about to be sacrificed to like more like Baal or whatever demon he says he is. I I can't keep track of his shit. Bell or whatever. I don't know it. No, that shit's real, anyways. 
I, I'm not too worried about I'll th- it. I think it's real because I think I confuse him with an Elder Scrolls guy. <laughs> <laughs> whoever, whoever he's actually talking about. I'll tell you what, folks. I've seen the scaleless dragon down here. <laughs> down here in occupied Texas. All right, let's, let's read some more literary symbolism. <laughs> when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket, there was all sorts of baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered, This is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a pole, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. Oh my god. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. No, the guy who sells up with eels. No, don't <laughs> hang him. Uh, sorry, Juan. Because on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all of his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cup, chief cup bearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cup bearer to his cup bearing, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But the chief baker he hanged, just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cup bearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Wow, what a fake ass friend. Cloud chaser. <laughs> Fucking cloud chaser. God damn, he forgot the little guys who definitely didn't rape someone's wife. Yeah, that sounds like a cloud chaser. <laughs> that particular bit <laughs> didn't help a rapist. Real clout chaser behavior. Yeah, exactly. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile, and there came up out of the Nile seven sleek and fat cows, and they grazed in the red grass. And they grazed in the reed grass. Then seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. The ugly and thin cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows, and Pharaoh awoke. Then he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. Seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. Then seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind, sprouted after them. The thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. Pharaoh awoke, and it was a dream. <laughs> Who'd have thought? In the morning his spirit was troubled. So he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt, and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Wow, not even one to bullshit him? Not even one to bullshit him. Now Juan, I want to ask you, what do you think this dream means? <laughs> I don't know, but this is the type of shit I thought was going to be reading in the Bible. This sounds epic as fuck. This bit's cool. Fat cows eating thin cows, and then seven years harvest. Like, this was the shit I was expecting to read. This sounds cool. Yeah, no, this is cool. And then the and then the author had to undercut it say, and say, Pharaoh woke, and it was a dream. <laughs> Just had to fucking clarify that bullshit, even though he started it by saying that he fell asleep again and dreamed. Yeah, it immersed you into, like, this fucking mythic storytelling, then, like, it broke the immersion with some, uh, hand-holdingness. It's like, oh, just in case you didn't understand. Now, on, I want to test you. I want to, to test your, uh, prophetic powers and how close to God you are. I want to see what your interpretation of this dream is. Alright, I am very fluent in Elden Ring lore, <laughs> so... This should be a piece of cake. Came out of the now seven sleek and fat cows, and they graced in the reed grass. The seven other cows, ugly and thin, came out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. 
the ugly thing because I have the seven sleek and fat cows. Okay, the first one with the cows. Yes. All right, there are seven thick bitches, <laughs> and he and and then seven not thick bitches come and kill them. You think that's what he's what what it's going for? No, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> If it's a fat cow, would it not be slick? Isn't like that be the complete opposite of being slick? But uh, I think sleek, like good looking. Well, this row has some issues. <laughs> but okay, so there's obviously something to do with something very bountiful, right? Very bountiful in, in the harvest. And then because the the other line also says that there were ears of grain growing on one stalk and then blighted once from the east wings. Oh, he's gonna get invaded. Ooh, that's what that means. Let's see. Let's test your uh, powers of prophecy. The chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my faults today. Once Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. We dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with its own meaning. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each according to his dream. As he interpreted to us, so it turned out. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. I love how this book just loves to give a summary of shit that just happened. I know, right? I've already probably skipped like a page's worth of, of that so far. Then Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was hurriedly brought out of the dungeon. When he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, y you gotta look good for Pharaoh. He came in before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said that you- I have heard it said of you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not I. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, And here I cut out the Bible repeating itself for the millionth time. But when I told it to the magicians, there was no one who could explain it to me. All right, Juan, let's see if you've got the sight. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven and good cows are seven years. And the seven good years are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, as are the seven empty years blighted by the east wind. There are seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. After them will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land. The plenty will no longer be known in the land of Egypt. The plenty will no longer be known in the land because of the famine that will follow. For it will be very grievous. General Kenobi! <laughs> and the doubling of Pharaoh's dreams means that the thing is fixed by God. And God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a man who is discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land, and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plenteous years. Let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming, and lay up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities, and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to befall the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. Alright, I see that. Because I thought the good being consumed by the bad was like something coming in and take it, but he interpreted it as the bad, the good will be forgotten because of how bad the bad will be. You were close. Okay. I'll give you, I'll give you half, I'll give you half points. 
Yeah, because it said the ugly cows will eat the good cows, and it said the blighted reeds will take over the good ones. You know, that kind of read to me like an invasion, you know? Like something's gonna take what you have. Mm, especially with the east wind, which is a symbol that we're not so knowledgeable about, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I see how it means. It's just like, it's, the bad's gonna be so bad that whatever was good was gonna be forgotten. You know, th I like that. That's good. You can half see the future. Just like I don't understand half of Elder Beast lore. You got 2040 future sight. Damn, I wonder what that means for the, my water water wars theory. <laughs> I I won't get into that, listener. Maybe one day we'll explain it. <laughs> Juan has a prophecy that the world will be consumed by the water wars in the year, like, I don't know, 2023 or something. No, it was like 2040. <laughs> and phasmophobia is real. Yeah. So, 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 so if you notice some of what Joseph was saying, he really pointed out how there needs to be overseers and some sort of middle manager to take care of this whole grain issue. I wonder what middle manager uh, he could have had in mind for this task. Get this. You get some manager, some middle manager <laughs> to manage the lands. You know, I used to be a middle manager once, but I'm just saying, get yourself a manager. Pharaoh, you could use a manager who knows how the future is going to go and is good at making a bureaucracy run. Unrelated, but I've been managing a prison. <laughs> and I'm not going to forget where I came from and just chase clout. You know, I can, I can imagine maybe running Egypt is a lot like running a prison, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was really fucking centralized from what I understand. Not a lot of individual freedoms. They had a license to grow beer, can you imagine? That sounds tyrannical. Yeah, that sounds like uh, the tyranny of the state. Whoa, I need a license to use a toaster in my own home. <laughs> I really need a license to defend my home with an AR-15 against 30 to 40 wild feral Wild boars. <laughs> Again, side tangent, but we made fun of that tweet. But that guy was right. Those feral hogs are out of control. They're, they're attacking they're all over the southern United States in Texas and Louisiana. They attack Shakira... And fucking stole her tax papers, oh, shit, which, which, which I think led her to uh, be arrested and charged with a sentence to jail, and she didn't pay a bail. Uh, so yeah. Oh, they're they're roaming all around freely in fucking Chernobyl. Yeah, Shakira just had an AR-15. Maybe she wouldn't have been indicted for tax fraud. I'm just saying. Watch the YouTube channel some more news if you want to hear about the boar uh, threat to America and our children. Some more news. I know yeah, I know yeah. I know this from the Shakira story. <laughs> oh. No, some more the Co Cody from Some More News has has a big bit where he talks about the boars being a threat yeah, every I, few I know, years. I uh, okay. But I think the boar story got really big in the mainstream. Or at least everybody I know that's like, you know, Mexican caught on to it because of the whole Shakira thing. <laughs> cool. Oh no, my tax break first. No, a boar, no, I don't have my tax papers because a boar stole it from me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did just the worst Shakira impression just then. Let's keep it in anyways. <laughs> well, you only heard one Shakira song ever. <laughs> I think I've heard like two now. I, I, I think there's one about a wolf that, that Rebecca's been listening to a bunch. Oh, no, 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 no. A boar oh, 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 or stole my tax papers. No, 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 no. <laughs> you should you should write the Shakira song about uh, getting your taxes stolen and then put it at the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. 
All right, who's who's gonna middle manage their way Egypt out of this crisis? Let's figure out one. You and I. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Pharaoh said to his servants, "Can we find anyone like this? One in whom, <laughs> one in whom is the spirit of God?" So Pharaoh said to Joseph, "Since God has shown you all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house." And all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only with regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Removing his signet ring from his hand, Pharaoh put it on Joseph's hand. He arrayed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. <laughs> Finally, the clout he deserved. He had him ride in the chariot of his second-in-command. And they cried out in front of him, Bow the knee! Thus he set him over the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent no one shall lift up a hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphanath paneah and he gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, as his wife. Thanks for clarifying who this person is. Thus Joseph gained authority over all the land of Egypt. <laughs> you, you, know, you know, like, that TikToker that pulls up to people in, like, really fancy cars and asks them, like, how much their shit is worth and what they work in? Not gonna lie, I, I sure don't. <laughs> but keep well, going. Well, now you know that that exists. But, uh, he just pulls up next to Joseph, and he's like, yo, how much your shit costs and what you work in? He's like, gold collar, 3,000 shekels. <laughs> gold chains on my ankles. 2,000 shekels. <laughs> My uh, cowboy maid outfit, 5,000 shekels. <laughs> My job, bitch, I'm your boss. <laughs> and then he shows up like the, the ring he has. The signet Second ring. only to the pharaoh. <laughs> I worked my way up here. Just the day I go, I was in jail. <laughs> <laughs> you think Joseph is chasing... Roses off the ranks. You think Joseph is chasing all of these middle management positions, but what he really wants is to be a humble cat boy maid? Well, I mean, he's he's wearing the outfit. <laughs> is he? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know why it's right to, to like, uh, equate that with the fancy garments. But... I like this running theme where just, like, under it, Joseph is just a, a cat boy maid. <laughs> well, yeah, he's a middle manager. They're the only type of fucking people. It's like with furries being, like, uh, like IT higher ups, because <laughs> like they're the only ones with like the fucking money to take care of themselves and look good in it. <laughs> Fair. Like even even if, like, a working class guy is like a fe- is like a really feminine guy that wants to wear it. They don't have the money for it. <laughs> they don't do it. Yeah, true. It's only the middle managers and the high IT guys that do that shit. We really need to. Th- you know, like good for them. We really need to think about. We really need to like. If there's one thing this podcast needs to do, it's sort of expose the uh, the classism inherent in the in the in the cat boy community. Oh God, <laughs> seriously though, <laughs> you you know what? Working class schlubs deserve to be bimbified too. Absolutely, you know? we shouldn't we shouldn't keep it from them. All right, so Joseph has finally got his dream job as night manager of all of Egypt. Let's fin- let's let's wrap this episode up here. Let, let's 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 read this last little bit. Joseph was 30 years old when he became the night manager of all of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh 
and went through all of the land of Egypt. During the seven plenteous years, the earth produced abundantly. He gathered up all the food from the seven years when there was plenty in the land of Egypt, and stored up food in the cities. He stored up in every city the food from the fields around it. So Joseph stored up grain in such abundance, like the sand of the sea, that he stopped measuring it. It was beyond measure. Dude, that's your job! <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ah, fuck it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my cat boy stuff on. <laughs> like, I get that there's a lot of it, but it's your job to measure that shit! <laughs> it's literally, like, the one complicated part of just gathering up a bunch of grain. <laughs> Yo, imagine if OPEC went to, like, the UN and the National Report of how much reserve they have, and they're like, ah, it's enough. Too much. More than we can count. You mean you don't know how many barrels of petroleum you have? Bro, we got... It's a lot. We got, like, a lot. Like, I don't think we have to worry. <laughs> well, can we get some? We're, we're pulling it out of our national reserves right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but just you wait. That's foreshadowing for next time. When fucking Jacob pulls out of his national reserves. But we'll get there. Before the years of famine came, Joseph had two sons. Whom Asenath, daughter of Potiphera priest of On, bore to him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh. For, he said, God has made me forget all my hardship in all my father's house. The second he named Ephraim. For the God has made me fruitful in the land of my misfortunes. The seven years of plenty that prevailed in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come. Just as Joseph had said, there was famine in every country, but throughout the land of Egypt there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. What he says to you, do. And since the famine had spread all over the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the world came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain, because the famine became severe throughout the world. Oh, damn. Yeah, everyone's dipping into their national reserves. I wonder what uh, the captain of the pharaoh now thinks that the guy who tried to sleep with his wife is now head honcho. Must have hurt. Yeah, probably probably not a, a feeling that makes you sleep well at night. I put this guy in jail for sleeping to my wife, now he's sleeping with everybody's wife. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, it's like having, like, someone who abused you go on to be in, like, the Supreme Court, for example. Well, it's a good, it's a good thing we have moved to better times, huh? Yeah, it's a good thing. It's a, it's a good thing nothing like that happens in real life. Do you know what would be worse than that, though? Like, imagine somebody, like, sexually assaulted you and became president. Yeah. Like, and not even you, just, like, maybe assaulted, like, 15 of you, maybe a 14-year-old girl, definitely a 14-year-old girl, and then became president yeah. for, like... Ima imagine... That would, that would be horrible. Imagine someone... Imagine, like, a rapist became president, and then, like, the, the next term, like, a different, probably racist became... Rapist became president... That that would suck. Well, it's a good thing we don't live in those times. Good thing anymore. we don't live in a world like that. We have made so much progress. And thus the years of famine began. But how will Joseph's story continue? What weird sex stuff will his brothers get up to? Will Joseph ever come home? All of this and more. Next time on the Anarcho-Biblicalist Podcast. Z. One, how was it? What was your favorite part? This was better than most of the other chapters. If it wasn't for the constant repetition... And I, who am expressing my laments for the constant repetition yeah, you, of this book. You finally got to the surreal stuff you were expecting. That's what I thought most of the book was going to be, and honestly. We got, and, and you got to the part where, uh, where Judah's son pulls out. That was my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs>
It's like uh, reading something you envy. It's like, man, I wish my pullout game was that good. That guy punished me. <laughs> but this definitely has my least favorite part of the book. The part where they kill the bread maker. Yeah. Because I love bread. And I love bread makers. Yeah. It saddens me to see them die. It's probably the saddest part of the Bible. I don't think we're going to see anything that's sadder. That's the. I don't think so. That's that's my that's the anarcho-biblicalist guarantee is that nothing in the Bible is sadder than when this unnamed bread maker dies. You know, yeah. I mean, it's sad that like little kids and families are being like blown to bits by Russians in Ukraine, but like, you know, when you drop your ice cream. You know, it just can't compete. It just can't compete. I don't know those people in Ukraine, so they're not real. I, however, did know that ice cream intimately, though. Yeah, exactly. All right. I think that does it for us. Thank you all for listening. Have a good night. See you.